I'm Katie, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you and your family are here, and we would love to get connected with you. One easy way you can do that is text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website, therivertrch.cc, to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the River Church. It's good to see you. If you have your Bible, we'll be in Colossians chapter number 4. So New Testament and the Colossians chapter number 4, toward the, more toward the end of your Bible. Uh, excited for the next couple of weeks here at the River. Uh, after our 1030 gathering, if you're a part of the River Church, want to stick around, we're having a good old-fashioned work day, a church work day. We're going to hang out just for a couple hours, pull some weeds, spread some mulch, cut some trees down, clean some windows. If you want to be a part of that, just serving together, we'd love for you to stick around after. Uh, That'll happen right after the 1030 gathering, so looking forward to doing that. And then uh, Mitchell spoke of our the River Connection class, and that was really for those of you who are newer, and I use the word newer, newer to the River Church, want to know, okay, what, what does the River Church, what do they believe in specifics? How do I get involved? Who is the staff? How's that work? What's the, what does the River Church look like uh, for the next three weeks at 9.30 in room 101, right before our 10.30 gathering? I'm going to lead us uh, just in a new connection class. So if you'd like to uh, come down there just to ask questions, we'll walk you through uh, just really the, the, the base of the River Church and, and what that looks like for you to, to get involved and to be a part of uh, the River Church going forward. So we'd love for you, uh, if you have those questions, to be a part of that. So Colossians chapter number four, today we are wrapping up our series talking about the purpose of the church and we've been studying the book of Colossians and the church of Colossae, this church that Paul wrote this letter to that is for us, but we study this because the things that are told to the church here are the, are the, in, the in the scripture here, the, the, the church in Colossians or in Colossae, that truth is for us. So how do we apply that to the River Church here in Waterford, Michigan? What does that look like? So this is the fifth week that we've walked through this. The first week, uh, we looked at Paul and his love for the people here. And we saw that Paul did not know the church here. He didn't know them face to face. He didn't start this church. Paul loved them because, you know, Paul went out and and really started the spread of the church and he goes to Ephesus. And what happened was people in Ephesus came to know the Lord. They couldn't help but tell other people. And that's how the church in Colossae started. So we see Paul shows them this love and this care. And he says, hey, I love you so much. I pray for you. And he shows us how to pray for each other. To pray that we will know God's will and that we will walk in a way that's worthy of Jesus and pleasing to him and strengthened by him. And then sermon two, we looked at that Jesus, or excuse me, Paul looked at the church and there were people coming in the church and they were manipulating the truth of Jesus. And so what Paul did is Paul said, hey, you need to see clearly who Jesus is. And he told us who Jesus is through three relationships. He said Jesus through the relationship with God and Jesus in the relationship with creation and Jesus in the relationship with the church. So we see 
That Jesus, all the fullness of God, dwells in Christ. That he is the creator and the sustainer of all. And that he is the head of the church. In week three, we got to Colossians chapter two. And I think really the, the center of uh, the book and, and really just the, uh, the, I think the central verse, Colossians two verse six, that says this. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And we read this letter and really the center point is those of you who have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, know the truth and received it and believed, you now walk in him. You have a different walk to life. And last week we learned to dress like the church. And we learned that that's not, not, not the clothing, but the spiritual dress, that if we know the Lord, we look differently. Our style is like Jesus. What's that? That's humility and meekness and kindness and caring. That we're led by peace, that peace rules how we dress, rules how we walk. That the love of Christ, right, is, is so throughout our entire garment. Our whole walk is covered by the love of Christ. And we know that what we should do is point back to Christ. Well, today as we wrap up this book, as we wrap up this letter, Paul gives uh, in chapter 4, starting in verse 7, and maybe you have a little header there. It says, the final greeting. Paul lists a bunch of people. He, he gives us a bunch of names, 10 names actually. And maybe for some of you, you know, when you read the Bible, when you get to the name part of the Bible, it's like speed read time. Like, how can I get past the names? I don't want you to do that this morning. I want you to hear because there's great importance here to what Paul is saying. So as I was studying, I came across uh, an author and he said this. He said, Paul here makes things personal. He says, Paul here with his letter, as he wraps up the letter, gives us a verbal group photograph. And so that got my wheels turning. Paul gives us a, a photograph. He, he gives us this family photograph. He tells us of his friends, of his family, and what the Lord is doing. So my wheels started turning. I started thinking about, man, this, this family, the, the photograph of the family. And then I thought, oh, Family photographs, those are always really fun, aren't they? Can you think back to the last family photograph? Maybe you have like the sister-in-law that goes, okay, everybody, red shirts, we're going to go with, like they line up all the colors, and then they're like, okay, and then when, we're going to meet at 637 because the sunlight is at the perfect angle that we will have the perfect family picture. You, you, you have that sister-in-law? I have a wonderful sister-in-law, but she would set that up, right? Uh, but the family photo, and I thought, it's interesting how family photos have changed. For us, if you want to show somebody your family photo, what do you do? You give them a printed thing? No, you pull out your phone, like, let me show you. You have the slide button, you begin to show the pictures. You know your lock screen, you push the button, there's your family. It's the, it's the family photo, but just a few years ago, it wasn't like that. I think of my dad. If he wanted to show you family photos, you know what he did? He pulled out his billfold. Uh-huh. Remember there used to be the, that clear plastic that you could slide pictures in? That after like seven days, it was no longer clear plastic. You know what I'm talking about? 
But if this, you know, my dad, he'd pull that out, and what would be, there's a picture of the family right there, probably Silas, because he did, but, but there was the picture of, of the family. Even in church, how, how family pictures have changed. If, if you were a churchy and grew up in church, maybe you had one of those church directories that had family photos. Anybody? This one's 25 years ago. Oh, it's beautiful. It's surprising how many people are still around from 25 years ago. I had a lot of fun at 8 o'clock, and okay, let's have a lot of fun here. So here's some of the families. Got some of this. All right. Lee Patterson. She plays piano 25 years ago. You got some other ones? All right. Lee Van Camp. I show, and most of the people I asked, was it okay if I show your picture this morning? So Lee saw this and he go, oh, the flat top days, huh? And I was like, you said it, not me, buddy. Flat top days. What else? All right, now, this is Hi Larissa over there. Now, Ryan and Larissa, they were married shortly after this. Is that right? So, Ryan, I didn't leave your picture out. There you are, buddy. Looking real good. Is that an earring you got there, too? It is. All right, no judgment zone here. All right. What else you got? All right. Oh, the dope. Russ, you look good in that picture right there. And those are some great sweaters, by the way. Each of those. You probably still have those, still wear them. All right. Now, I want to slow down here because this is Phil, our worship pastor here. The little one. He still has funky hair back then. But Phil is not here today because Mary, his wife, had their baby yesterday. So we're there. So great. Ah, there we go. How beautiful that. I saved the best one for last. You ready for this one? All right, show this one. Yeah. Pastor Roy right there. All right, you can take all those down. But family. Family's important, and you take these photos, and you go, hey, what's your son doing? How's he doing? What, what, they're going here. They're doing this. They're, and, and you begin to explain what's happening in the family. Well, this is what Paul does here. right? They didn't, they didn't have the digital picture. I almost asked the 8 o'clock if any of them had to have their, their portrait like drawn. Maybe that was. I thought it'd be a little far. I didn't, I didn't say that. Right. But the family portrait. And when we think of family, if we're honest... Some of you in here, it hurts. When you think of family, there's maybe somebody missing from that picture. I went through some of the pictures and saw some of the men and women of the Lord who've gone home to be with Christ. For some of you, there's brokenness because somebody who was there is no longer there. And here in the passage, and I don't just want you to skip over the end of Colossians Paul paints this picture of the family, and he he gives it to you real because there's brokenness in this family too. You're going to see, as we get later on in the sermon, you're going to see there there are people there. There, There's going to be hurt and pain. But the family photo here, I bring it up because I want us to think of the church family. The church family is so important that I I would even contend this church family 
is, is the mo, it's so important in developing who we are and how we love. And, and I would even, some would say, would you put it in front of like the, the real family? You're going to put church family in front of that? Here's what I'll tell you. The church family is what will help you have the best family. People in your life to love you and to care for you. So this morning, I, as we talk about family, and we're going to take this to the church family And I have a question that just want it to be throughout the sermon. And the question is this. Do you see yourself in the photo? Do you see yourself in the photo of the church family? So in Colossians chapter 4 verse 7, let's read it. Paul gives this final greeting. He says, Tychicus, I will call him Ty, I don't know why, will tell you about all my activities. He is a beloved brother faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place. Verse 10 says this. Anybody want to give a shot at that? Nobody naming their, Phil, did you name your kid? No, all right. Go ahead, go ahead. You can shout it out there. There it is, all right. My fellow prisoner greets you. Listen, I went and like listened to the Bible app and listened to the name over and over and I still messed it up, so it's okay. My fellow prisoner greets you and Mark, like that name, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Paphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. They may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and Nympha and the church and her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you have it also, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archie, <laughs> see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. When you read through the New Testament, especially the epistles, you read through Acts, you see Paul. You know what you see with Paul? He's always with people. He's always going in a group. You will find that there are some 100 believers that are connected with Paul in ministry. If you read Romans chapter 16, you will find there are 16 names listed in that chapter about his church family and doing ministry together and doing life together. You get to hear to Colossians 10 names where Paul shows us, hey, this is the church. This is the mission. This is what we are doing. 
So let's look at a few of these names. And again, going back to, do you see yourself in the photo? If you know Christ, is, is this what you're doing to others in the church? Is this how you're caring and loving? So back to verse 7. Tychicus, Onesimus. You see here, verse 7, it says, He will tell you about my activities. He is a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant. Again, we can get to names and we start flying by. Don't do that. Stop here. See the family. Paul is saying, hey church, I want you to know, these two, they're going to bring you the letter. He is a dearly beloved brother. He, he He is family. Paul here is showing the love that they have for each other. This this is what the church is called to be. Family. Brothers and sisters loving each other, caring for each other, helping each other. I love seeing it in our church. Love seeing people just gathering together and praying with each other. I love seeing the last couple weeks I've seen families in the church who've just met each other in the church. They're taking vacations together. And I'm like, it's great. People just being family Something breaks in somebody's house. They call people in the church to help. Having dinner together. Beloved brothers. Do you have this in the church? And not so much, well, I need somebody to be my brother. But if you know the Lord, how about this? I, I need to go love somebody and be somebody's brother. See, many times we come and go, how are you going to love me? Well, if we know Jesus, how about we go, how am I going to love you? I'm going to care for you. To find somebody in here, to care for people. This is the family photo. Paul then says, he is a faithful minister. What is that? He's dependable. He's there. In Ephesians, it talks about there were not to be uh, believers who are tossed to and fro, that, that every wave and every, every you know, uh, manipulation or trickery of doc- doctrine throws us off, but that we are consistent, we are diligent. Honestly, I looked at the 8 o'clock this morning and just thanked them. For years and years and years of them being diligent and faithful to the Lord. And and just to see their side, just think about the 8 o'clock, that a man every Sunday is at that door, greeting and loving and caring. He's just diligent. He's just just faithful. Do you see yourself in the photo? Then Paul says this, a fellow servant. You know, we think about Paul, and you could go, man, he's a pretty big deal, Paul. He's, he's, uh, like, he's, he's, He's the man, yet here in the family photo, he says, let me paint the picture. He's my fellow servant. He has giftings, I have giftings, and we serve the Lord together. It's beautiful. And these two in verses 7 through 9, they, are the, they take the letter to Laodicea. They take the letter to Colossae. They're, they're the mailman, but they're, it's a really important role because they are delivering the word of God. 
And they come and Paul says, they're going to tell you more about what's going on with me. They're going to give you truth. And they're going to encourage you. Man, I hope that's what we desire to be as a church. To encourage somebody. Can I tell you, somebody in here needs encouragement today. They need it. They need you to love them, encourage them. And man, talk to them about how amazing Jesus is. The family photo. So we see Tychicus and that a beloved brother, faithful, a fellow servant, encouraging. Skip down to verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling or agonizing on your behalf in his prayers. Family photo, let me tell you about him. Now, Epaphras, it looks like many, many people think that he was actually the pastor in Colossae. At the beginning of Colossians chapter 1, it says that he came to Paul and told Paul the things that were happening and the excitement. And Paul says, hey, let me paint the picture. He keeps on praying for you. It says he struggles, he agonizes. You are so important. He is fighting for you. In prayer, I'm so glad I have people that agonize over prayer for me. My mom this morning, she's sick, but she texts me, Jay, I can't be there. I'm praying for you. Agonizing over prayer. It is a blessing to me. And there are many of you, you do, you, you, every day you pray for me. I don't. I don't know what I'd do without that. So to have a church, this is why we say growth communities are so important because we want you to have brothers and sisters who will agonize in prayer for you. And you may say, I don't, I don't understand the word agonize. Why that in prayer? When, when the Bible defines prayer, here are the words, the terms in the New Testament. It says we are to pray constantly, fervently, without ceasing, diligently, earnestly, laboring, steadfastly. That's how the Bible describes how we are to pray. Paul says, man, I got a brother that just, this picture of him on his knees before the Lord, praying for you. This is the church. We support one another. We care for one another. One put it this way, that there are a variety of forms, spiritually and relationally and emotionally and physically and financially. We help one another. One commentary I read talked about this photo looking like the investment team. This is the team that was investing now, when I first I say the word investing, some of you automatically go to stocks and your portfolio, and that's not what we're talking about. I don't care if your guy is a guy who, they're a fiduciary or not. I don't care. Man, I'm sick of hearing that word over and over again. This is talking about investment in people's lives. Paul, this is the investment team. What are they investing in? In people in the church. It's the best 
and the biggest investment. When you define the word investment, the word is this, an act of devoting time, effort, or energy to a particular undertaking with the expectation of a worthwhile result. Throughout the Bible, over and over again, it talks about this investment. That this is the most important investment is in people's lives. Caring and loving for people. That's why Matthew 6, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. When you pour into this, it is worthwhile. One said, instead of investing in products, we are called to invest in people. We're not building a company, we're building a kingdom. Rather than Marketing to recruit people, we are mobilizing to rescue people. Instead of yielding earthly revenue, we are harvesting an eternal return. This is the family photo here. Paul is saying, hey, this is what we're invested in. This is what the church looks like. Brotherly love, faithful, diligent people, caring for one another, praying for one another. Keep reading. Epaphras says this in verse 13, For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you. That's the church. And if you know Christ, do you see yourself in that photo? Is that important to you? And you may be sitting there going, Pastor, do you really think the church is that important? Yes, I do. I think the church is that important. It is vital to our lives. So you may be there and go, Pastor, listen, you're talking about all these people and their good things that they're done. I'm not sure you want me in the family photo. To know my past, to know what I did, I think that I'm the one that they cut out. Well, Paul mentions another name here. And I love that he mentioned this man's name. This man's, this man's name is Mark. In verse 10, he says, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you've received instructions, if he comes to you, if Mark, this guy Mark, comes to you, I want you to welcome him. Now let me give you a little bit about, let me tell you a little bit about Mark's backstory because the Bible tells us. In Acts chapter 13, Paul is on the missionary journey spreading the church, and Mark is along with them. Mark bails. Mark quits. He gives up. He leaves. You get to Acts chapter 15. The Bible says there is a heated, I don't want to say discussion because I think it's bigger than that. There is a very, well, let's read it. Acts 15, you got that verse? 37. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought it best not to take with him one who had withdrawn from them and had not gone with them to work. In verse 39, and there arose a very unheated disagreement. No, there, 
a sharp argument came. What happened? Mark quit. And Paul knew the difficulty of the journey. He knew he was not just taking a grand tour of Israel. Knew the difficulties. And so because Mark had quit, had given up, Paul knew, hey, this isn't the right time. And and listen, sin has consequence. There, There are times when people go, well, don't you just forgive and just let everything go? No, no, we do forgive, but there's still accountability. There's still a time to go, hey, you're not ready for this. But what is so beautiful in this family photo is that years later, Paul goes, but Mark, you should see him now. You, You should see. He didn't stay there. The Lord, right, gives us a second chance. The Lord says, hey, I'm not done with you. I'm not done. And so now you see Mark. Here he goes, man, I, I told you, he, he is ready for ministry. And it says it multiple times. In Philemon verse 24, it says, Mark is my fellow worker. At the end of Paul's life in 2 Timothy 4.11, he says, hey, bring Mark with you because he is useful for me. And so I don't want you to be here and go, man, I don't think you want me to be in that family photo. The Lord who is forgiving says, hey, I got life for you. I have planned for you. The church for you. I'm not done with you. Stop listening to Satan to say he's done with you. So Mark, John Mark, what is so interesting is that we look at church history, we believe that he connected with Peter if you look at 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter speaks of Mark. I can only think of their wonderful journeys together. Right? I can see Mark walking with Peter going, hey, Peter, can you tell me a story? Like the story of when, like Jesus said, you were going to betray him and, and you did. And then you were like, no, I don't know Jesus at all. No, no, no. And then Christ came to you and said, hey, I'm not done with you. Peter, will you tell me that story? And Peter goes, Mark, I've told you this story like 47 times. I know one more time will be wonderful. And to hear the grace of Jesus. And we believe, right, church history points to there are four gospels. Matthew, Mark. We think that Mark was one who then was a part, right? He writes The gospel of Mark. Lord wasn't done with him. We see this picture. This family picture. It doesn't mean it's easy. Family's difficult. Family. You you, you know each other a little better. You see the good side and the bad side. And what's crazy is none of you are perfect. So that means family has hurts. But we love each other and we care for one another. But even in this picture, there's some sadness. Because we see one of the last names that Paul mentions. In verse 14, it says, As does Demas. I just wonder if Paul 
saw some things that were going on in Demas' life already. Because in 2 Timothy 4, it says this about Demas. Later it says, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Sometimes we can read the Bible and read it cold, but knowing Paul has love, my guess is it broke his heart. The demon says, I'm out. I'm done with this family photo. Demon said, hey, I'm going to go live all the things of the world. That's what I'm going after. You may be sitting there and go, how does that happen? See, if you come to church and you just come in to look for a friend, I hope you do come looking for a friend, but if you just come, maybe, maybe I can you know, have some, some people to hang out with and, and church people should be kind and loving and they should be. But if you come and you don't grasp onto the truth of the gospel of Jesus, it won't stick. See, if the gospel doesn't change your life, then you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. It is when the gospel, right, the truth of Jesus Christ that he died on the cross and he rose again, he defeats death, he overcomes sin that you may be saved. And when, when you hear that truth and then believe that truth and accept Christ as your Savior, that is life eternal transformation. And you look at someone like Demas, and the truth is the gospel, the truth of the gospel, to truly believe must have not been it. So we know the church, it starts with the truth of Jesus. And when Christ saves us and he transforms us, we're called to a new family. Can I show you some of my favorite family photos? John, you got those? That, that's one of my favorite family photos. Just makes me smile. Ready for this one? This one's smaller. This is a growth community in our church. goes, hey, we just want to love our staff. And so they, they made a meal for us. We went to hung out at the park. Went on a boat. This is family. Loving each other and caring for one another. This is why we push growth communities, friendship, growing in God's word. It's a wonderful thing. The family photo of the church. So I go back to that question. Do you see yourself in the photo? Let the Lord grow you to mature you, to be one who can love and care and be a brother and faithful and encourager. Fight for it. Fight to pray for each other. Work for each other. This is the beautiful thing of family called the church. We stand, please.
Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this morning. Oh God, I um, pray that we will grow as a church. We'll grow to love one another. We'll grow in your word, your truth. Stand firm in the gospel. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.